You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Guys, welcome to episode one of the Dabble Co. podcast. Um, I am kind of overwhelmed. I'm verklempt, if you will, about the support uh, and everybody just reaching out saying that they're really excited about the podcast. Um, it's just kind of a funny and weird like headspace where you're like, oh, all right, well, maybe maybe people do want to hear it. Okay. So here we are. Uh, this is episode one. We are starting earlier than anticipated. And also, you know, I'm kind of about the ladies, like this is women's healthcare providers, women's healthcare topics. But today, I'm sorry, we have a man doctor. Um, And we have a man doctor because it's my husband. And the reason why he gets spot number one is because unless you, I don't even know where you would live to not know what's happening, but coronavirus, so hot right now. um, And everybody's kind of freaking out. So it's hard. It's, it's just, it's hard because like I get it, but there's panic for no reason, but there's also like a lot of nonchalantness for no reason. So we got to kind of try to find out what we're really supposed to do. So my husband is a physician in Charleston. He is internal medicine trained, did some extra training in uh, emergency and um, critical care. And he has practiced global health for over 10 years. He started a nonprofit called One World Health, and they build hospitals in Uganda, Nicaragua, Honduras, and have some clinics in Burundi as well. And so um, global health, keeping up with the global health trends, um, public health is really kind of his wheelhouse. And then in particular, he started a program here for telemedicine um, at our hospital, and they have been doing all of these coronavirus screenings um, online for free for anybody in the state of South Carolina. So I haven't seen him in a few days. I mean, well, I haven't seen him. That's a little bit dramatic, but he's been crazy busy, like working say 24 7 I use a lot of hyperbole okay he tells me very specifically that I use too much hyperbole so I'm gonna try really hard not to do that um but I just can't help it so I I feel like he's been working constantly for the last few days because now it's finally in South Carolina but what's interesting is that he's been (laughs) preparing for it like mentally physically like we've I mean we got our hand sanitizer like six weeks ago literally I mean it's here like our Clorox wipes were down we, but what's funny I mean we have that stuff year round I mean he we'll talk about it we'll talk about it when he gets here I don't want to talk too much before his time but here we are episode one the man the myth the legend my current husband Ed O'Brien hello honey for you to use my formal name, please. <laughs> Ed has just arrived with his scooter, and he is wearing a helmet. Well, he took his helmet off when he came to the building, but he has scooted across campus to where we are recording the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having sir. me. Um, so this is the first episode of my podcast. Please be cool. <laughs> I try. <Okay. laughs> so everybody wants to talk about coronavirus badly. And I think what is really confusing to a lot of people 
is just kind of trying to figure out, okay, are, like, are we panicking or, or is it not a big deal? Because there seem to be now two major camps, like panic, that Atlantic article that we all got today that we all read that was like, shut it all down, you know, cancel everything. But then there do seem to be a lot of physicians and medical providers that I'm seeing on social media saying, like, there's no need to panic, you know, everybody chill. So what's, what's your opinion? I don't think panic aids in any <clears throat> treatment of any disease or pandemic or anything like that, of course, but I'd somewhere in between. So I do think people, what people are calling panic, you know, calling off events um, that have large, large groups of people where viral spread can be very easy and hard to detect. Uh, they're calling that panic, but that's probably common sense. Um, so it's somewhere in between, you know, I mean, I think uh, there's the other camp, you know, it, it started with this being a hoax, right? And I mean, some people said it was a hoax and then it was no big deal. And that, you know, 80% of people have minimum to no symptoms, which may be true, but if 20% of people have severe symptoms or even a higher number than that, then that's extremely significant. So I would say as a medical professional, I'm certainly worried about, uh, the illness, um, an illness where people don't have any innate immunity to it at all. I'm happy about certain things I'm hearing, which is that, you know, a lot of people do seem to have very, very mild illness. Uh, you know, some people don't even know they have it. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, on the other hand, the people who do get it, who get sick are tending to be very sick. Um, it's not, not like the flu. Okay. Let's talk about the flu though, because I, I'm kind of, what I was hoping initially was that, you know, so there was a lot of talk about like comparing this to the flu. And then when you and I talked about the numbers and, okay, so, so people don't even realize this. There's a lot about the flu that people don't even realize. So how many people just, uh, nobody's going to hold you to these numbers if you don't get it right. Okay. This is not like trivia. (laughs) Just about how many people get the flu every year? Uh, the estimates are pretty wide in America. Let's say in America. Oh, in America. Yeah. Well, um, you know, some people say up to 30 million people can get the flu in a given year. I saw 50 the other day. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, people it's such s- a big number. It's just right. People knows? say between 10 and 50. So I usually end about 30. It depends. Like an H1N1 pandemic, some people said it was more than 50. It was like 70 or 80 million people could have had it right. or even more. Um, on a typical flu season, you're probably looking at the point is it's tens of millions of people, millions of people. Okay. So then, so the death rate, that's what everybody's concerned about. The mortality rate. So the death rate of the flu is 0.1% ish. Ish. Yes. So when you have millions of people who get the flu, then you're going to have thousands of people who die from the flu. Right. Correct. So what I feel like is, really misunderstood outside of the medical profession is how serious the flu is. I mean, we, I know we agree on that obviously because we are really vigilant about it with our kids and with our own selves. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about that? First of all, I'm happy to see uh, people approach our level of vigilance on a day-to-day basis right. that I have for the flu. Right. Uh, I developed this vigilance. This when is our Ed's Super Bowl. <laughs> let's just have a side. Let's just say this real quick. This is literally Ed O'Brien's Super Bowl. He's been training for this pandemic for his entire career. We have like monthly shipments of Clorox wipes and the big thing, like the gallon things of Purell. So we have the big things of Purell that you can refill and we have the refills. So we're like, oh, stockpile it. Sure. We've been doing that. So anyway, I just would like to say congratulations on, I don't know, being right. right. It's not a dream for me. I, uh, but yeah, I do think, I think in a general sense, if people followed the same vigilance 
that we're following, minus obviously the panic and canceling everything uh, with the flu, if people just washed their hands, you know, used hand sanitizer, had a different way of greeting each other besides handshakes, which are pretty disgusting in a general sense, um, which I still do it, but it's not the best way. You know, and just did things like sneezing, Sneeze into tissues and throw them away. I mean, just basic hygiene. The things flu that you tell me down. that you get very upset about, like don't cough into your hand and don't sneeze right. into your hand, which I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. So, right. But I try. Exactly. But our four and a half year old is pretty good about it. Yeah. Listen, okay. Here's uh-huh. the thing: she was brought up knowing to sneeze into her arm or cough mm-hmm. into her arm. But sometimes she sneezes like in your mouth. I mean, that's not f- a fair assessment. That's true. It's hard to know. Okay, back to coronavirus. So the point of talking about the flu to me is if the numbers of, like, if we saw as many people with coronavirus as we see with the flu, what would that mean? It would be catastrophic. That's what I'm trying to say, right? Uh, in, I think probably. I actually think if you saw, so if you had, you know, 50 million people get uh, coronavirus, certainly the mortality rate is going to be higher than the flu. Is it going to be three and a half, you know, 4%? Some of these numbers you're seeing out of uh, Italy, is it up to 5% range? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be that high? No. It's probably going to be closer to the Korea, South Korea range Mm -hmm. because the denominator is probably not correct in what we're looking at. Because why? Why do people want to know why? Because you, so the numerator is the number of people who uh, are are really, really sick, you know, or have died. But the denominator um, is the number of people who have the illness. So we're testing really, really sick people to see if they have the illness. So they're all they're coming back positive, obviously, and they're very sick and they're dying. Oh, that makes more sense. But okay. then the other people out in the community, we're not testing a bunch of people out in the community. Those who are asymptomatic, minimally symptomatic, people who have colds that probably have coronavirus, but we're just not testing it. So South Korea did that, and their testing rate in their population is significantly higher for people who are mildly symptomatic or even asymptomatic uh, versus other places. And their mortality rate is closer to the, is under 1%. So, you know, if you're looking at, at, global numbers more likely than not, it'll approach that 1% range. Now, South Korea has great health care, so they're going to be better off than some of the undeveloped countries, of course. So when I think when people hear that, they're like, oh, 1%, that means there's a 99% chance that I'm not going to die. And so that's where all of this, like, hey, this is not a big deal. We need to stop panicking kind of comes from. But, I mean, tell, like you were telling me the other day, you know, even that is higher than the ch- chance of death, like in an open heart surgery or something you compared it to. And I was like, Oh gosh, well that's yeah, I mean, more significant than you realize. Yeah. It's pretty significant and it matters probably is going to matter quite a bit by age group in this, in this viral illness, mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the flu outbreaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that, yeah, 1% is still a lot higher than the flu, um, for death, but it's not even just a death. It's, it's Italy has showed some data that, um, 10% of the people showing up with this virus are ending up on a ventilator. Right. I mean, that's pretty significant. It's not just dying. I mean, you, you know, it's not like a heart attack where you just keel over and die all of a sudden. Like this is You're a like really, really sick for a long time exactly. and then you may or may not die. Exactly. And so what happens in the United States when that happens? I mean, what happens if 10% of these people need ventilator? I mean, we don't have that many ventilators in the United right. States. Right. Talk about the pinch. So, um, uh, I, I don't know what the pinch is, but, uh, <laughs> I, is that a thing? That. <laughs> I read this article that was, the guy yeah. was calling it the pinch where he's like, there's this point where enough people are sick and need, like you're talking about 10, 10% of people needing a ventilator or needing ICU care. Mm-hmm. And the pinch comes when we run out of that space, but people are still continuing to get 
this illness. And so like you literally go to the hospital and need a ventilator and we don't have one. Yeah. And the pinch before that comes when the health, too many healthcare workers are sick to take care of the people as well. So a decent number of them are getting sick. Also, mm-hmm. I've not heard it called the pinch. I mean, it makes sense, but, but, um, it's going to be like fetch. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not, but you're like, stop trying to make the yeah. pinch happen. Yeah. I don't know if the pinch is going to happen, but yeah, the log jam, the pinch, whatever you want to call it, where oh, um, you, you lack the, your just with anything else. I mean, you lack the resources, you know, to take care of everybody. That's, that's the why pandemics are so, um, dangerous. Then your mortality rate goes up, not because of the disease itself, but because of people you could have treated and gotten well are unable to access the medical care that could have gotten them better. So then the mortality rate changes, not because of the disease, but because of the lack of treatment. And why is this, why is this one virus making people so nervous? I mean, the, in, in the ID world or epidemiology and infectious disease world, what, what is it? What, why is this different? I think it's different because the transmissibility is very high. What does um, that mean for people who don't know what that means? So that means the flu, you, you know, if you're the flu, they say, you know, each person can give it to another person or maybe even up to two people. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to be within six feet potentially, but fomites, which is things that you coughed on. Ooh, fomite. That is yeah, an Ed O'Brien yeah. buzzword. I love that word. Fomite. That's a thing. Um, can you let us know what a fomite yeah. is? So a fomite is if I were to cough all over this microphone uh-huh. and then you went and touched the microphone and put it up in your bag and then touched your face. You know, okay. you might could get the, the flu that way. You know, if you rubbed your nose after touching the mic that I was speaking into, because virus particles from my mouth got on the microphone and they can live there for a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. hours to days. So then you touch this and then rub your nose and then boom, you got the virus particles in your nose now, they replicate and cause the illness. So this can be spread that way as well as um, through droplets. It's not airborne, um, but, you know, if someone coughs on you, those are droplets they are getting on you and so that can infect you. So what makes that so different than something like Ebola? So have we seen outbreaks of very dangerous things in our lives? Yes. MERS, SARS, Ebola are the three that you'll hear about the most. Mm-hmm. This one is different because it's less deadly. That sounds like a strange thing, but the viruses and the diseases that are super, super, super deadly don't tend to spread as rapidly or as far because you the people die. infected with them die sooner. Correct. So there was cool. an article that MERS, MERS, I believe, is worse than SARS. Like it had something like a 60% mortality. Yeah, and so, MERS is worse. Yeah, and so people couldn't really travel far enough to, to spread it to other people uh, effectively. And if that's the case, usually can quarantine's a lot easier. Ugh. Why do you think people are freaking out like financially. What's going on with that? What's going on with the stock market? Yeah, there's two things going on with the stock market. The first one is people are freaking out because, you know, quarantines, canceling uh, meetings, stuff switching to online. That That's get, a pretty big blood, like South by Southwest, yeah. Coachella. Sure, sure. And those are nothing compared to, you know, everyday business, oh, too business meetings, you know. Right. Um, that, you know, if planes start to get empty, you know, you have less. Or we have a consumer-based economy. So if people aren't out buying things, the economy takes a hit and the market mm-hmm. reacts to that. The, the other thing that happened in the stock market is that Vladimir Putin decided to start an um, oil wage war with the United States during a, during a really, really bad time. And normally that would spur the economy, but it actually hit it down because our um, oil uh, uh, shale production is based on uh, high debt load. So that affected the economy as do well. Do you feel like it's the apocalypse? What do you, how do you no, feel? No, I actually think feeling? the economy is going to bounce back pretty quick. I think this virus will quickly become endemic. Um, no one knows what that means. Uh, so the difference between a pandemic and an endemic is, so, you know, you might go to the doctor and get something called an RVP, which is respiratory, um, viral panel. And it tests like 20 it's different. It's a swabby in your nose. Exactly. Also. Yeah. yeah. Swabby in your nose, nose, 
Um, and uh, they uh, test like 20 different viruses and stuff in there. Um, and you'll notice that there's three or four coronaviruses they're testing. There's like a coronavirus from Hong Kong. There's all kinds of stuff. And so at some point, those were novel viruses, right? Um, they novel s- means new. New. They, new, new viruses that swept over the world. And, it's, and, and, and at some point, our body you know, started to get some immunity to them. And so that's also part of the problem is that this is a new one. And so no one has any yeah. immunity to it already because it's new. So Correct. people keep probably hearing the word novel and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Does that, what does that mean? Yeah. So that's why. So, yeah. So people say, oh, why is the flu 0.1%? Well, the flu has been significantly higher than 0.1% in the past. Right. If you were never exposed to that H1N1, like the Spanish flu in 1918, um, it was very high mortality because people just hadn't really been exposed to that strain. Um, and this is that like was that was what they called the swine flu, correct? H one N one, the swine flu, correct, correct. Interesting. And so, yeah. So if you don't have any immunity, and that's I don't know this, but maybe that's why. But typically, with no immunity, very young and very old are affected. This one appears to be just very old. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is about the children's immune systems that don't seem to be um, uh, affect them quite as badly. I don't know. I'm sure maybe time it's because they're so disgusting already. They just <laughs> somehow. I do think it's probably because they're already exposed to a lot of different coronaviruses, and they certainly have some characteristics in common, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so this goes against my theory of keeping everything clean, you know? Right. I would argue that your body is, in fact, a sterile environment most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so you get sicker than anyone else in our house. Have you noticed that? True or false? I see. I get, Are you willing to... I'm not. <laughs> I get sick, sick less frequently than everybody in the house. I will give you that 100%. L- lies. Less frequently? Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? You went to the <laughs> hospital. You were in the hospital like three times in t- two years yeah, ago. Yeah, but I worked in the ER, and that was that was that's tough times. But yeah, I've gotten a couple sicknesses. But you had the flu first out of any O'Brien this year. That's true. We all had the flu. That's true. Our daughter had it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. But I avoided Noro. You did avoid Noro. Yeah, but that was because you like <laughs> weren't. Uh, I quite self quarantine. You know. I mean, you know. Ed will self-quarantine if you have coughed in the last 72 hours. He will. He immediately self-quarantines. Yes. Yes, and we'll quarantine. No, that's not true. That is a fact. <laughs> that's not true. There are sheets on the playroom uh, sofa all, at all times. Yeah, that was from your, I don't know what you had. You probably had coronavirus. I might have. Who knows? I had a yeah. raging cough. Yeah. Um, is there anything else interesting that you would like to share with people? I mean, I think... What's your favorite thing about me? <sighs> Let's just uh, take a left. Physical or uh, uh, emotional or... I can't imagine you have a favorite emotional thing about me, but that's, I mean... Um, I like that you're super sassy. Um, is that an emotion? I feel like this is a very political answer right now. And, no, I like that you're smart. I told you that. Oh, thanks, honey. Okay. Yeah, that's probably my most that's important thing. Good. Because that never goes with time, unless you get to mention it. <laughs> okay, the people. Or head injury. Now we're going to have a segment called Ask Ed Questions. Some of them may be medical. Oh, wait, you know what? Hold on. People wait, do. I have ha- a question for you. Why did yeah. you wash your hair before you went to get it cut today? Okay, great question. Not happy about it because I went to work out this morning. I was exceptionally sweaty. So I took a shower. I did actually not wash my hair because, as you know, I would rather die than wash my hair twice in a day. I did rinse it with water because I felt sorry for Kelly, who cuts my hair. But then I had to dry my hair because she had to put highlights in it, and you, you can't highlight wet hair. So oh. it was a lot. There was a lot that went into that. That's I understand it was very confusing. I typically yeah. would never, ever do this. It's true. Um, 
Okay, people want to know about travel. People are asking me literally every day what to ask you about travel. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? The one thing they got right in that um, Atlantic article is that the only way to get ahead of a pandemic is to do things before it's here and before it's too widespread to have anything be of use. So we're going to look back in time. We're going to watch a Netflix documentary about this in a year and a half or two. I can't wait for it because I'm so ingrained in it every day. That's true. And and it's going to say how the United States had their head in the sand. You know, why we weren't ramping up testing capabilities, why we thought... What is the problem with the testing? Can yeah, you explain that to people? Like, why? I, yeah, what's, I mean, what's going on? What do you have to do to test somebody? Uh, usually it's a nasal or an oral, oral pharyngeal swab. You can test sputum. You can test different things. But you have to validate different tests... Uh, by the CDC, so they had to validate different testing mechanisms. So, and is there a restriction right now on like how many people y'all are allowed to test? I mean, why, aren't, why can't we test everybody? I mean, each region has their own testing capabilities. So, in South Carolina, if you're asking, it's because DHEC doesn't have a certain number of tests. They only have enough to run about a hundred a day. Why? Test. I can't production? say. I, we just, yeah, I, I, I just, I can't say. I mean, I think they had to. That's also very political. Production, and they had to validate the test. It's not as easy as people think, you know, because right. this, this hasn't been around. Um, there's some good things. I mean, some cool things are that we were able to sequence the, the, the um, genetics of this virus incredibly quickly. You know, we've got several companies working on vaccines. There's a drug out there that looks really, really, really promising. Uh, it's like a Tamiflu equivalent for this, you know. Um, and it, uh, so there's some good things. I just, it's, it's, I just think we had our heads in the sand a little bit. Oh, you know what? One thing I wanted to ask you, you have made up a little cocktail of vitamin D, vitamin, what's your, zinc and vitamin C? Uh, yeah. What, what, is there actual data on that or is that just like a thing that you're doing? There is a study, um, out of, I don't know if it's on Chinese data or what. There's, there's a basic science study. There's an article, uh, it, it, it uses zinc and chloroquine, uh, together. So the chloroquine counts as a, as a, ionic transporter of the zinc into your cells. And it does show that on a cellular level, it blocks the um, viral replication um, uh, of the virus in cells. So, so are you, t- uh, no one understands. I'm not taking chloroquine, which is a malaria drug, but and my point is there is some data out there on zinc and why I like zinc and vitamin D and, um, and vitamin C, vitamin C in a general sense is just a fine, you know, antioxidant with the flavonoids and everything. Um, uh, uh, deficiencies of a vitamin D are not that uncommon in white people mm-hmm. uh, uh, or, or actually black people, uh, especially in the winter. Uh, and vitamin D, defi- vitamin D does help in immune function and deficiencies make you, make your immune system function a little less. Do I have vitamin defi- D deficiency? No, I don't think so. Um, but but I have you been tested? Hurt. Probably not. I've not. I mean, I could. Who knows? So, and then the second thing is with zinc, zinc, uh, shows, uh, does show some great evidence in some other viral infections of helping. It's one of the few that has some data behind it in, in uh, colds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it doesn't hurt me and uh, I figure it's something that I can do to be proactive. Is there a specific dosage that you like? You know, I, I, <laughs> this isn't an advertisement, but I do take all my supplements from Thorne because they don't have any, um, additives. But Thorne, if you're listening and you'd like it to be an advertisement, <laughs> it is not free to record this podcast <laughs> and we are open to that partnership. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I happen to sit on the medical advisory board of that company, and they're they're really oh disclaimer. They're really yeah disclaimer. They're really dedicated <laughs> to um, to uh, purity. I just don't want additives and you know components that that don't allow your body to absorb the the ingredients appropriately. So that's what I use. I want to tell you about Nurse at Night. Are you pregnant? Do you have children? Do you have toddlers who are driving you crazy because they like come in your bed at night? So 
there is a service in Charleston, but that actually reaches nationally with some of the services that they offer called Nurse at Night. They are the only service here that offers premier night nursing and sleep consulting services. So they actually hire all RNs, all nurses who are way overly qualified to care for these babies at night while you have just had a baby. So if you've ever had a baby, you know, Things get real weird after, you don't really know what's going on, especially your first baby. Everything is very confusing. You're awake, you're sleep deprived. It's sort of like torture. So not only can they send a nurse to your home to help you with the transition, help with feeding, help with sleep coaching, literally just let you sleep. If you want, they'll do whatever you want. It's incredible. My husband and I actually, we used this after our second baby, we wised up a little bit. Um, But if you're not in the Charleston area, it doesn't even matter. They do consults based on the Moms on Call books. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that too, but getting your baby sleep trained and on a schedule will be the best thing you can do for you and your entire family. They help with potty training, tantrums, basically any fresh hell you can imagine that a toddler would bring. They can help you with that. If you want to talk to Nurse at Night, you can follow at Nurse at Night, send them a message or email Liz at NurseAtNight.com. And they also gave us a code for $25 off, which is DabbleCo25. So check them out, Nurse at Night, use the code DabbleCo25, get 25 bucks off, give yourself some sleep. Just be smart about travel, you know. I, I would have. What does that mean? Like, don't. I mean, what? No one knows what. Like, be smart about. Like, if you don't have to go, I mean, people are like, "Oh my God, should we cancel spring break?" I mean, what's happening? You know what's happening now is schools today. Uh, I think Clemson and Carolina um, just extended their spring break by a week because we don't know what to do when the students come back because they're going right. to be everywhere, right? They could be in all hot Italy for all we know. So, um, I, I, can they get into Italy? No, no, no. I don't mean right. that. Northern Italy is blocked off, but, um, you know, people do all kinds of crazy things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, avoid, I mean, there's some things that I would avoid. Like what? I would avoid cruise what would ships. You, Ed Ober- well, you would have avoided a cruise ship I think ship cruise ships are petri dishes to anyway. This. Carnival is not going to be advertising on your podcast. Um, so <laughs> Not your blood money, <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You keep your norovirus slash coronavirus slash whatever virus you're growing on that ship. That's right. Um, uh, you know, airlines, you know, actually probably okay. There's probably a lot less people on planes right now anyway, as long as you're not traveling internationally. The truth is there are so many hotspots that are going to pop up in the United States in the next several weeks. You're not going to be able to avoid going anywhere. You know, yeah, somebody messaged me today and was like, I was just in Aspen and there's a, there's uh, a like pocket a block yeah, there. And I was like, right. what? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a pocket in Kershaw, yeah, how are you South, Carolina. To know? South Carolina. Who's heard of that place? I have not until I mean, literally. Yeah, I mean, right we now. have, but we're from here. But, I have, but, have not. But I mean, it, my point is, a very small place. Where did the lady in Kershaw get it? We still nobody knows. Uh, no, no. That's crazy. Is it like nobody knows, but you know? I know. I don't. I don't know. I heard right some now. things, but I'm not gonna. I I don't know the answer. No. It's interesting because yeah. Ed, I will is typically not a very good secret keeper, but. Regarding uh, health information that I actually want to know about, you seem to be a very good secret keeper. It's kind of annoying. Just nervous that HIPAA rule. So there's a difference. I think traveling right now is very dicey because we just we we just don't know. We don't know where people are going to get stuck. We don't know where the virus is going. We just don't know. But you feel like what's tra- the difference between traveling now and traveling in two or three months? Yeah. So I think yeah, your risk if you're a young, healthy person of traveling 
if you're worried about catching and dying from this virus is, is obviously very, 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 very low. Your chance of catching this virus in general is very, very, very low. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> you know, a certainly older immunocompromised, those kind of people probably should not be traveling right now. If you're worried about travel, um, you could certainly wait a few weeks. I think we're going to have widespread testing around the United States uh, within a few weeks, and these numbers are going to drastically change. Uh, They're going to go up, obviously. Yes, they will go up but quite a bit. People understand. People are like, "Oh my God, that means a thousand people caught it overnight." But right. Explain that to people. Why the numbers are going to go up dramatically when that happens? Sure, the numbers are going to go up because there's already people out there with it who we just haven't been able to test yet. Right. I mean, Washington is the perfect example where I think I forgot how many people are yet to be tested who are having symptoms just from that nursing home. I think it was like seventy. Oh my God! Like thirty um, of them died already. Uh, right. I thought it was 24 like 12 or something. Or I don't know that There's number, but, but but that's the kind of people who are going to catch it and right. be really, they're sick already. Fish in a barrel at that nursing home. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the analogy. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Right? That sounds Isn't a bit, that sounds, sitting sounds d- a little um, like crass <laughs> um, or like heartless or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're people too, and uh, they probably didn't want to die. But uh, anyway, a couple weeks. I think you'll know a lot more and you'll, you'll be able to get a lot, a lot better idea. And then at some point, my prediction is some point by the summer, we're going to realize that it's just everywhere. And I'm hoping by that point, or not necessarily everywhere, I mean, we could, we could potentially contain it, but, but it's just going to be one of these things that it's a known thing out there, you know, hopefully we'll have some great treatments in the pipeline and great. I mean, there's flu know. in the summer. People also don't understand that. There there's is. Flu I think, year round. That's right. And naturally it's going to go, we hope it'll go away in the warmer months because people aren't congregated inside as much, you know, school is out, all this kind of stuff. So um, I'm hoping naturally it, it'll, it'll diminish somewhat, but it'll become just one of these viruses that we're used to. You know, the avian flu certainly doesn't seem to be a thing now, but it's still technically around probably somewhere, not just in a lab somewhere. So, you know, things can pop. It's, it's either going to be one of these things that's everywhere. It's going to be three things, okay? It's going to be everywhere all the time, right? Like a lot of other coronaviruses are that kids are getting all the time. Um, it's going to be seasonal, like the flu, which it's around all the time, but it's really bad in the winter and not so bad in the summer. Or it's going to be one of these things that kind of does go away, and then you have hot pocket like outbreaks, right? Um, so it's going to be one of those three things. Like is SARS still around? MERS? SARS is definitely still around. So is MERS, but you know you don't you haven't had outbreaks. Ebola definitely still around. Those are all the third thing, right? Those right. are all the. They're around, but like you do not have an outbreak. I mean, Ebola is like very obvious when there's an outbreak, correct, particularly with correct. Ebola. When there's an Ebola outbreak now in the Congo, people just aren't talking about it. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. Right. So, uh, but there's a vaccine. I mean, so. same as the last time there was a huge Ebola outbreak. And literally, somebody asked me, so Ed and I have traveled to, I kind of gave your intro before you got here, but about um, your work with One World Health mm-hmm. and hospitals in Africa. So we used to be there a lot more than we are now, but we are obviously paying attention to the news in Africa. And somebody asked me a while ago, I mean, this is years ago when there was the the big outbreak. What was that? Probably four or five years ago, there was a really big big Mm -hmm. outbreak and it made it to Uganda, which is where some of our hospitals are. And I said, you know, why is nobody's talking about this over here? I was like, yeah, nobody cares because it's not here yet. Just wait. That's right. And then there's like, what, four people in America that had it. Mm -hmm. And it was literally all you heard about all day, Mm -hmm. every day. Whereas in the meantime, you know, Hundreds, thousands. I mean, I don't know how many people died in that outbreak. It was significant. I'm pretty sure it was over ten thousand. It was a lot. So, truly significant. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It's just anyway. That's sad. But we have vaccine. I guess Ebola now, so that's great. So there's a drug in trials. Yes. And vaccines. Well, there's some vaccines that made it to trials too. 
Yeah. So what? Why at this point would we want? I mean, I guess it's like sort of like the flu, but why would you not just want a good drug that treats it versus a vaccine? Uh, because you never be able to make enough drug for everybody. And you don't want people to catch the disease to, to have to use the drug. You'd rather them have the vaccine to never get the disease at all. Interesting. If you never get the disease, you never spread the disease, you need less drugs. So vaccines are superior to drugs if they work mm-hmm. on almost all things. The problem is like the flu vaccine, everybody's like, I don't want the flu vaccine because on a great year, it's like 46% effective, right? And that's right. this year. And look at, look at, you got a 45% effective vaccine that in theory, a third of the population may get. And then it doesn't seem to help that much, but it really does. But, but you know, it, it doesn't have that perception of helping a ton. Tell, tell people why the flu vaccine helps, even if you still get the flu. Yeah, there's some decent data showing that if you've had the vaccine, your flu is less severe and less long mm-hmm. if you've had the vaccine than if you haven't. And it makes sense, right? Because now your body at least is ramped up to fight a little bit of flu, and maybe you have a little different strain or something, but it's mm-hmm. close enough to where your body can ramp up and fight it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think same for coronavirus. If you have some vaccine, this vaccine we're developing is not going to be 100 percent effective. Mm-hmm. Likely, I don't know that Corona mutates quite as quickly as the flu. We don't know that yet. But even if it's 70 percent effective or something, mm-hmm. you know, you get enough people, you get your body to where it doesn't have this incredible reaction to it, you probably save a lot of lives. Well, we were talking about earlier just that it would probably be for older people initially, since kids yeah. and kids and young healthy people are doing pretty well. That's with right. It. Older people and people who have other health problems are probably going to qualify for this for this vaccine, mm-hmm. and then you're going to run into a bunch of problems with insurance companies. Not want to pay for it. Not wanting to pay or wanting to pay. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different ballgame right there. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't think statistics, I, I, everybody's all over the statistics right now, but they're just not. We just don't know. We're just not there. Right. Yeah. If you test the whole world, we're just talking about it. You test the whole world. A lot of people have going to have already had this and not known. You know, right. if there was some test out there, it could say, I had this, I'm immune to it, you know, at some point in my life. I mean, I bet you. You'd, a lot more people will have already been exposed and not know it. It's not, yeah, it's just, anyway. All right, are you ready for Ask Ed questions? Ready. Okay, these might be medical. They might not be. You are not allowed to think about it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Which is better, aliens or robots? Robots. Which superpower is better, invisibility or flying? Invisibility. What's the incubation period of coronavirus? Mm, I think it's average about five days right now, but it could be anywhere from zero to 14. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, what happened to the El Camino? Oh, gosh. Great question. I blew a gasket, and then I'm not good with engines, so I had to turn her in. Yep. We used to have an El Camino. By sweet. we, I mean Ed. He That's drove it maybe twice. Beautiful. Every time it broke down. It's fine. Um, would you lick the floor of the MUSC ER for any amount of money? Uh, no. I can answer this one. <laughs> Does he shake hands in church when we do the peace be with you? Um, I do, and I follow it by a couple squirts of sanitizer immediately Im- afterwards. Immediately oh, sanitizer s- is hand sanitizer. That That's going to catch on, sanitizer. <laughs> Stop trying to make pinch happen. <laughs> what is your hand sanitizer of choice? Anything over 62% ethanol. They say over 60%, but I actually... My of choice is probably the Purell Advanced, which is 70% alcohol. I'm looking at mine. So mine, ethanol, 62%. I use the Everyone hand sanitizer, Everyone for Everybody. Uh, it smells amazing. You can get it at Whole Foods, um, and it is 62% ethanol. I currently have 10 because Ed bought all of them. That's right. Um, okay. 
what is it like to be married to such a smoke show? Oof. That's a tough, it's tough. one. It's amazing. Oh, this is a good one. Can our dog or cat be a carrier for strep throat? Strep throat? I don't know. But coronavirus, there was a case in Hong Kong where they swabbed a dog oh, who was positive for the virus. Kind of Sorry to it was report. Be a cat, honestly. Yes. Oh, yes. Cats are all have, they carry strep throat. Actually, cats carry a lot of other bad cats bacteria. Cats carry cat scratch fever, which anybody who's listening for, okay, cats are literally minions of the Antichrist. My brother went blind in one eye because his cat had cat scratch. That's true. Cat had cat scratch fever. And it and toxoplasmosis like, in their um, feces is bad. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. Okay. I can answer this question, but I would like to hear your response. Does being a doctor make you more paranoid or more laid back as a parent? We'll both give our answer. She you know, I would say this. Originally, it made me significantly more laid back because working in the ER, like At things... what point in time was that? No, let me, let me finish this. This is serious. This is serious. I'm telling you. Okay. So it made me more laid back because I saw a lot of bad things happen and you have to just kind of be calm, you know? But I will say as far as, but then over time, I started to see how many people had these like communicable diseases out there in the community. And I'm in the community. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's sick all the time. So then I became the exact opposite, some sort of a germaphobe. So, but it, that was a progression over time, honestly. You took a hard left. I, did. I mean, you took a hard left and it's been really like, yeah. we have literally had counseling for this left. Yeah, yeah. When our kids happened. I yeah. Took a, took Basically when left. our children, I mean, it was, unbel- <laughs> I literally watched Ed remove our baby from sweet Nana Jane who came to visit and bring a freaking casserole. And Ed had not witnessed with his own eyeballs her wash her hands. And so he took yep. our baby out of her hand. I was like, wow, we this, yep, this is true. a lot. She's alive today. Um, I don't know if it's made me... <laughs> Hush. You're welcome. I don't know if it's made me more laid back or not. Pro- I mean... I don't know. I, it's kind of both. Like about some things, there are a lot of things. I feel like if, the, if it's something that you know about, like I worked in ENT for a long time. And so that stuff, like our daughter had to get tubes and adenoids. And I was like, whatever, this is amazing. I can't wait. Whereas I have friends who, you know, don't know anything about the procedure and anesthesia. And it seems like a really big deal to them. Whereas, I mean, I'm like, whatever. Um, advice for a first year med student. Oh, man. I would say just, just really keep your mind open. And when you find what you really, really, really love, just, just commit yourself to it early. Um, I think residency spots are getting a lot harder to get. Um, that's what I would say. Okay. What conditions are ideal to treat via telemedicine? Ed does a significant amount of telemedicine. Yeah, so we released MUSC, released telemedicine to the free for the whole state to kind of screen for coronavirus. The idea is to <clears throat> keep people from showing up at the doctor with coronavirus to keep from spreading to healthcare workers uh, and hospitals. Uh, so he's uh, now gone into his professional voice. I'll say, yeah, Don't telemedicine the shift is, uh, oh, telemedicine is uh, <laughs> perfect to treat um, all kinds of conditions. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, you know, things that are urgent care conditions that basically don't need x-rays or labs are great for telemedicine. People say, oh, how about flu? You need a flu swab. Well, uh, hate, like to, maybe, but... hate to spoil it for you, but the, that flu swab you're getting up your nose is an antigen test and it's maybe 60% accurate. So, Well, but like, for example, today, a friend's husband who's been traveling, fever and cough, they did not test him for the flu. They just gave him Tamiflu. And I'm like, well, he was in the office. Why would you not just test him for the flu? I mean, you can't. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. There's a a great article up to date, and even the CDC is recommending this. If you have a high, high, high incidence of the flu, in other words, you're having a flu outbreak in your community, Mm -hmm. they say you can treat 
um, if all the symptoms are there and there's significant exposure mm-hmm. um, without a swab. Or don't, are there so many false negatives in the swab? But I mean, in this particular instance, like if we're trying to figure out if he has flu or the coronavirus. Oh, right now? Yeah, like today. Yeah, I mean, right now, it probably Why wouldn't you just swab him? Well, because 2% of people can have flu and coronavirus. 2%? So, God, yeah, it's why tough. do you know that? Yeah, that's early data, but. Early data. Um, I'm just kidding. You're very smart, yeah, honey. I love you. Right. You're really, you're the smartest. Right. Statistics. You're don't, the first. Don't help anybody. You're the first better. guest on here. That's how smart I think well, you are. That's amazing. Thank Aren't you. you excited? I am. I am. You seem I am. really excited. I am. <laughs> um, what gets you flustered? I told everybody that you don't fluster easily, which is the darn truth. Yeah, I don't get flustered too easy. I would say things that get me flustered are um, <laughs> when one really of our children hate... throws up. Yeah, then I don't you... like that. <laughs> roaches. I don't like. I hate roaches. You literally, when you when one of our children yeah. throws up, Ed looks like a freaking pinball. Like he can't <laughs> get to the Clorox fast enough. I mean, it's and I'm like, why are you touching it? Just let me touch it and handle the thing. Like, yeah. just you go over there, and I got it. Yeah. Um, do you secretly go shower after we hug? <laughs> it's crossed my mind because you don't shower. I don't ever. shower. I don't. I just really, I'm good. I like showering. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, that makes good. one of us. Um, Ed, honey, Dr. O'Brien, sir, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank we you. We really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate it too. Thank you for riding your scooter over. It's been it's been a blessing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that was that was for Robert Yo. <laughs> He's definitely not gonna listen to this That's ever. True. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, next time on the podcast, we will have Dr. Marta Perez, and she's an amazing OBGYN. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, even if you didn't like it, rate it, review it, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your mom's friends. Um, Okay. Bye.